This is 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective podcast brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. My name is Nathan. And I'm Bob. And today we're going to uh, go over the revised edition Malkavian clan book. We're going to be reviewing that, going through it, and uh, just uh, talking about it a little bit. As those of you who've listened to this podcast for a while know, the original Malkavian clan book was essentially an unreadable hot mess. This one is a readable um, book. It It is... Well... We'll go back and forth because I think yeah. that uh, um, we might have different opinions on the book. We might have. We, uh, I'm gonna go on a record. Mm-hmm. It's a good book. Oh yeah, 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 it's, absolutely. It's, it's worth the read, but uh, <clears throat> it's frustrating to talk about. Right. We 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 have we have a much higher opinion of this book. Like to me, the the early book was very much like the juvenile idea of what Clan Malkavian could be. And I think it was trying to do a lot of what this book does in a much better way. So, so I feel that those listening right now, you're you're too blind and too deaf to understand what we have witnessed, <laughs> and we will try to tell you all about it. You know, by all about it, give you the vaguest understanding, the grain of truth in the cosmos, and allow you to take your own ship to seek its destination. But um, it won't help you. No. You're going to listen. Some of this will stick, some of this will resonate, but this will frustrate anyone who is a fact finder for White Wolf Cannon. Oh, absolutely. It's going to frustrate you. It did me. I actually was reading this Wednesday, because Nate did his traditional, here's your copy, here's my copy on Thursday night, let's get at it, and I had already read it. Right. I, I'll, re- I'll rephrase this. I read it once, went through it, and went, I'm just going to let it go, because maybe it's because, like, like I told everybody, I admitted this. I read this clan book in so far because the first one was utter shit. So when they revised utter shit, I just would you polish a turd. Right. I'm not concerned. Well, I mean, <laughs> they they left a lot of room for improvement. It wasn't <laughs> right, and it wasn't until I saw uh, <clears throat> Net Church, right, and another right. book that I said I got to read this book. And I remember reading it back in the day, which gave me such a high standard for Malkavians. Yeah. Right. That's what this book did, and I'm I'm, I'm revisiting it, and I'm having aha moments and epiphanies because I know so much more not only from this review it's been like since its release god how many years more have we used content well and the other thing too i think that um being the maturity level that you are now at least for me you know i can't speak for bob he has his own mic he can do that but at least for me having the maturity level i always felt that i had a different perspective on the malkavian clan than most people that played that clan right a lot of people played that clan in a very like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm the Mad Hatter, you know, the the like, oh, we're all crazy down here, right? And I never saw them that way because I've always felt that this clan, this clan embodied what, whatever your life was like at its darkest, most introverted, sort of terrifying moments, right? In in your deepest thralls of of negativity. To me, that was the clan at all times, and not just negativity, but like self-doubt, um, depression, all of those things. That's what this clan was at all all times. And here was a clan who was racked with that, 
and trying to basically interpret what's going on in their own brain, hopefully for some sort of clarity. And that's how I always viewed them. This book is written like I think, which is my problem. It's very personal, this book, to me. As I read it, it is like I'm listening to myself trying to explain a complex emotion or feeling. And I'm trying to get to the destination, but I just can't seem to cross the gulf. Right. But as I'm going, I'm holding your attention because as I start to get off the rails, I say something important to bring it close. And I keep you engaged. But we're just never getting there. And it's like you're lost in it, right? Right. That's what this whole clan book does. Because you, I, I know what it's going towards and what it's talking about and all these events it's mentioning. But at the same time, it doesn't detail them. At the same time, it doesn't say what it is that's there. Right. And I'm like going, but, but, and I'm like pulling books off shelves and I'm referencing points. And I'm going, but this is, this is only part of it. Like, where's he? And I'm looking for it and I'm like, oh, holy shit. They actually wrote this book to be insane. Yeah, right, right. And it's good, but it's, they're seers. They're visionaries. Right. They're prophets, prophetess. That's, that's what this is. And they're also insane. But they're insane in the fact that anybody would be. Right. Who was seeing glimpses of another site. And I think that's a, that's a really important thing to note. There are a lot of people who look at Clan Malkavian and go, well, I don't like that they're even dealing with the idea of mental health, right? So throw them out the window, fuck Clan Malkavian. And I feel like those people are doing, well, I mean, maybe they're doing themselves a disservice, but whatever. You're not into it. You don't want to give it the time of day. That's fine. But I look at these guys in in a way, and I say guys in the general term, but I look at these this clan the same way that I would look at uh, a character in a Lovecraft story. Right. Right. Th- these are individuals who there is something way back from the past. And what that thing is, is terrible. Right. For whatever reason, that thing has some great, amazing uh, insight into a world that we don't see with our eyes. Right. We don't, we don't, we only sense it in our peripheral. And whatever that thing was, it somehow touched generations of individuals it spawned. And when you go through the embrace, you get a glimpse, right? And it forever changes you. It snaps something inside of you. And through that madness, you're trying to interpret what is this message? What am I trying to know? What do I need to tell everyone else? And that's that seer concept, right? That and and sometimes, like they show in the very beginning story, it it looks like it's uh, Doctor Netchurch embracing someone, and he says to the embracee, "Oh, I'm glad you came through it lucid. That doesn't always happen for everyone, right? But I knew you had enough strength to get through it, and I think that that's the key. It's like the Nosferatu. The Nosferatu are twisted." into a horribly ugly and disgusting and terrifying entity visually. Clan Malkavian is twisted internally, right? They're rearranged, and they have to interpret this whole universe that lies beyond their eyes and somehow make use of it. And they talk about those afflicted with madness in the past. They were hunted down and killed because they were seen as possessed. They were considered demonic. And now, with our modern society's outlook, to some degree, that clan is able to flourish and thrive. They're not just hunted down and killed like dogs. And I think that that's a very important thing to remember, that 
how you treat this. If you if you look at your character as the same way that someone who found out about an elder god and not someone who had a history of mental health who is now a tragic figure, hopefully you can you can look at this clan a little bit differently. <clears throat> so that's probably the most uh, definable change, mm-hmm. right? From the first edition to the revised. Right. First edition said mental health is a scary thing, should be treated with great maturity, and that was lost yeah. on, on the community as a whole. And it was lost in the book, honestly. Because the book gave you a, a, a depiction of somebody who suffered horribly right. from what it was. But if you look at the revised and you look back at that book, that person was conflicted by multiple people's yeah. minds right. connecting theirs, right? So if you were mentally connected with the world, that's the question. If you were somehow able to just listen in on other people's random gray matter of thoughts, right? You or me alone, Nate, would drive somebody insane. We do it online all the time and just rambling through our own fucking house, right? Right. That's what it is. We're used to it, though. It's no big deal. However, other people finding like hysterical, right? Just old hat for us. Right. But now imagine if we compounded that or we exist in someone else's head or, oh, my God, what would happen if you got in trouble with someone who's a complete psychopath or somebody who... Uh, is is really funny, mm-hmm. you know, but their jokes aren't always going to be funny, right? It's right. what they tell you. So on the inside, there might be a lot of, you know what I mean? Right. So it's sifting through all the gray right? is what this is. That first one gave you no filter. Right. The revised book gives you a filter and warns you, yeah, a lot of this stuff's going to stick with you, but uh, right. We're, we're, we're in the ocean, but the ocean now has a, such a strong current that you can't stop right. to figure out where that came from. Now- that is very heavy stuff to state. It's oh, yeah, very absolutely. Tall standard to kind of went into. Uh, but I think it's because we both have a cautionary tale when it comes to Mount Cavians as a whole. You cannot pick up a character sheet for any clan and expect to get by with, you know, Johnny Tuesday's phoning it in. It's no, not going to come right. across well. Right. And, th- and that's really the purpose of clan books as a whole. And all of this source material, it, serves two purposes the first purpose is to help you as a storyteller to make your world richer but clan books and things like it are made specifically for you as a player to get a deeper richer understanding of what the clan is and how to portray them um you know we we hear conversations constantly we're in pretty pretty constant communication with other players of this game and they're like well you know I don't want to play old hat. I don't want to play the stereotype. Well, conquer the stereotype first, right? That yep. That's always been my opinion. When you've perfected colored pencils, move on to watercolors, you know? And that's, to me, that's what this is. This shows you what the clan is about, but then it gives you all of the steps that you need to take to kind of like venture outside of that with the information you're provided. And how do you do that? You do that by making a richer character, i.e. one that is more filled out, one that is more real. And and when I say real, I mean you've thought of the things that affect that individual's life. Right. You, you've thought of the things that, how was this character's childhood? What was their adult life like? What were their relationships like? What was their mental health like? And that's important. Clan Malkavian starts with a very unique tale right in the beginning. Nate alluded to it. Um, the fact that it didn't allude, he said exactly what happened. Talks about Douglas Netchurch, infamous canon character that White Wolf has, arguably the card carrier of the clan. It's not the one that White Wolf pushed, but it is the one that I state, in my personal opinion, is better than Anatole, who they have. Why? 
Anatole is a canon plot character driving Gehenna. Douglas Netchurch is also a canon plot character, but is his own character. Right. Because his own delusion, if it's a delusion, is it a delusion? I'm certain he could talk circles around you about it. Is the fact that he doesn't see vampires as anything but scientific. They right. are another condition on the evolutionary chart to be defined, dissected, and understood. And there are several uh, collegiate, scholared, what have yous that got embraced from other clans and other sects even that have come to Netchurch for just such studies. They fund him, they help him, they, they all work together to figure it out. And it's really his insanity. He has an obsessive need to research and inability to accept the supernatural, which is what I was saying, mm -hmm. even in connection with vampirism, and he is one, and is highly self-delusional, unable to see the brutality of his techniques and completely oblivious to his derangements, which is perfect, right? Right. Now, why is it perfect? Because Netchurch actually dominates people who are talking too rationally regarding that vampirism is supernatural or supernal, if you will. But he's unaware that he does it, right? Can you imagine it? He just, he just talks to you, and as he's talking to you, he's wiping away details that you would have had to keep this going. Right. But that's us who know that. Right, absolutely. No one near him knows that. No one who associates with him knows that. But that's why it fascinates me, because when you read it in the clan book, uh, this, this beginning story, it's manifested. The guy on the table talks about how, as a ghoul, the first thing and the hardest thing it was for him to learn, and he's also a doctor, is listening truly listening right which he doesn't describe he didn't activate his heightened senses auspics level one what he did was he describes that the blood or vitae as he says is fueled to the extra senses just use the coat them to help magnify them type lingo and that is really cool because it shows his derangement in the writing right right through his ghoul and once that goes down it's basically a fun trip and and down the rabbit hole so to speak of how Netchurch treated him and gets this guy to believe that him and Netchurch are married. They're married at the mind. It's a very interesting concept that didn't start that way. The courting process was lengthy. You know, it was done through him mastering his habits and mastering how he operates, you know, clean conduct, superb tests, controlled experiments. And finally, the final experiment that he believes it's him. And as Nate already said, haha, jokes on you at the end of the tale. Usually people are gone at the end of this right, thing, and right. we're going to go from here eventually. But the guy also says, as he's waiting in this room, and that church keeps him strapped in, because he says, well, we'll give you more time. Maybe it'll kick in. And he walks off. And of course, this guy's like, oh, I'm not alone. But when he closes his eyes, he can hear other thoughts, specifically that church's thoughts. Can he? Can he? That's why I love. That's why I like this clan book. Right. Because it immediately dives into another Hotcavian. Right. And, and it, it does... Uh... It, it, the other thing that it, it it really sort of subtly focuses on and then kind of overtly focuses on is that the network that connects all Malkavian. Um, and it it's, it's very interesting because it, it existed in previous incarnations. However, uh, it would be very difficult to ascertain what exactly that means by previous books because they just didn't outline shit properly. Well, it's it's, you know, the Malkavian time. Right, we're right. Yeah, but yeah. they try to make it a mechanic. You can't make it a mechanic because it's too platforming. You know what I mean? Yeah, it they, certainly is. They do get a finalized mechanic in this book that's digestible. But the fact is, is that how do you describe that everyone in your clan is connected by some sort of supernatural mental acuity? And we don't know what it is. 
It's the power of your blood's unique principles that make it so. Right. But if it's in the blood, how come your ghouls don't have it? You right, see what right, I'm saying? Right, exactly. It, it makes a disconnect. So it's like, is it a shared delusion? And why is it only certain people can do it or are affected by it? Right. And so this this goes further into it, right? And that whole thing, we well, we'll just handle it now. I already bumped the cap on it, so to speak. We'll drink the drink. Um, there are people who can manipulate it and do things such as if I want to have a clan meeting or talk to someone, if I'm good enough in my connection, I can pick up a phone. Any cell phone doesn't have to be working. Right. And and I could <laughs> right, say, right. I could mention I want to have this meeting and set it down. Right. And if my connection's good enough, people, other Malkavians in the vicinity, right? Right. Like describes a good city. There's a distance metric in there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it pulls them to me. They'll start hearing phone calls. They'll pick up their phone and they'll hear this message. They'll start hearing the news broadcaster talk to them. Telling right, them where right. to go for the new meeting. And and that, that's the other key thing, too, is that it's very disconcerting because, like, you may have some acuity in using it, and you may be able to send very precise messages, but you may be able to send weird fleeting images that vaguely represent what you're trying to say. And the person interpreting it may get a completely jumbled signal. But that that's, you know, it's that connection between the clanmates and, and whatever supernatural or ingrained blood concept it is. It's certainly not a walkie talkie, right? No, it's certainly not like pick up a cell phone, send a text message, right? It's not that at all. And when we talked earlier about the interpretation of of mental imagery and the madness that kind of was given the madness that exists because of that this goes into it too because who knows what ancient malkavian is awake and trying to send messages and now you're left to interpret that well what would happen if you woke up tomorrow and suddenly you could hear the thoughts of a hundred thousand different individuals some of which have been (laughs) alive for ten thousand years you'd go nuts right which let me give you an easier way to, to to grasp this right they title the beginning mm-hmm. of the new Malkin Brace after the Netchurch story as the Tower of Babel. And just a little refresher, for those who don't know, the Tower of Babel was a biblical reference when we all spoke the same language and everybody knew exactly what anybody else was saying in the world. All of us spoke the same. We built this great tower all the way up to the heavens as if to challenge God himself. And to smite us and to get back at us for what we had done and in our hubris, we were struck down. Right. Tower destroyed and forever severed our ability to speak the same language. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Great story. But, believe what you like, they called Tower of Bab- Babel in this reference to, in the, excuse me, in the clan book, to reference that. Yeah. Exactly what you were talking about. Right. You know, everybody, if you woke up and everybody spoke a different language, what would have been like? Right. Chaos is what it would have been. I've always been fascinated just by this concept, right? Uh, especially when we talk about storytelling. And I'm just going to go on a little bit of a rant here, but... Uh, what we're doing right now is I'm using my mouth and my tongue and my lips to create some kind of weird image to put in your head, which is then rattling around, and it's creating a visual representation, right? It's like a weird clicking, flapping nonsense that you go, oh, yeah, I know what Nate, Nate means. I, I, get, I get what he's saying. Like, to me, that's a level of odd. Now, 
if I had to just take the the whatever stuff imagery is in your head and you just kind of beamed it to me and I had to turn that into something, that seems like it would be a much more difficult thing to do <laughs> for one person, just one to one. Right. The, the, the concept of like psychic communication seems very difficult to me because it's words are easy. Words are something that we can all do fairly well. But imagery, you know, when you paint a picture, right, just one picture, everyone has a different interpretation. Now, imagine, you know, like I said, you have 10,000 pictures from 10,000 different individuals and you have to go, well, what does the subtlety in that mean? I would have a very difficult time writing checks in a checkbook after that. What's what's also baffling, right? Mm -hmm. Think of how simplistic it could be, too. Right. Because in doing that, we're, we, we're using a lesser medium, our words, right, to talk about something that happens in our brain in a finite of a second. Right. An image. If, if all we did was talk that way, we have the brain power to handle that. Yeah. Maybe blessed. We don't know. <laughs> right, we're all right. evolved monkeys here. Right. You know, so words are going to have to work. And again... That's where we begin our tale. Right. We're at our Tower of Babel and uh, describes this guy who just got embraced and he has knowledge. Are you trying to keep me on task, Bob? I am trying to keep you on task. Oh, That's correct. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's fair. It's fair, but I had other things that I was working on. But you go ahead. <laughs> uh, sir, I am one half here. I am you know, happy to pause. You know, you know, I, I always felt that the we, we talked about this before the podcast started. I think that this book the game two truths and a lie did you ever did you ever play that in a, a like a, at a a job that you just started i actually wanted you to describe that because i hadn't okay so basically two truths and a lie is we go around the room and everybody's assembled and i tell you two things that are true about me and one thing that's a lie and everybody else sort of confers and whatever they agree upon they'll say this is the lie and i i either say yes or no right and it's based on it's it's used as an ice breaking tool, right? Okay. Right. So, so I can tell like how good of a BSer are you? You know, how good are you at at making up stories, or like what do we find that's believable? Like what outlandish truth can you smuggle in there, so that you know we might think it's a lie to throw us off of the the trail? To me, this this book and this first story here, this is two lies and a truth, right? To me, it's it's maybe true, maybe bullshit. Most likely it's bullshit, but there's a grain of truth in there. Yeah, two truths and a lie. You should play it. It's it's kind of fun for it's totally a corporate game though. Uh <laughs> but, but yeah, does, that's how does it, it work. It's fun. I don't know if it works cuz I I I've never had to hire a staff, but I enjoy playing it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean it it does work cuz it it helps you to break the ice, but as a player or a storyteller, you're reading this and you you were saying this earlier so i'm gonna like kind of lob it back into your court here but you were saying like you're reading through it and you're like what is that wait what what am i looking at here oh and now i gotta go pull out other books because what of this is true that hasn't been presented elsewhere that's kind of where i was getting that opinion from when you're saying two truths and a lie and and i'm reading this just looking at it even the notes i took i'm literally like ah you can almost skip it <laughs> it's the truth right right is it, or is that the lie i mean i don't know right but what i do know is this this story is told from a newly embraced guy and it talks about the fact that he's running from whatever happened and he's trying to deny whatever's going on in his head mm -hmm. it's like his head's boiling or mm -hmm. his blood's starting to heat up or something's happening and this oppressive thing and 
it's driving him to want to scream because the more he accepts whatever's happening to him, the bigger and more vast the world is getting. And it's like he's brunt, his mind's changing. Right. And it gets weirder from there because he's obtaining knowledge he didn't have before. That's the one thing I got. I don't know if you got the same thing. Um, but I do know something's lecturing him in his head. And I was like, it's either his sire mm-hmm. or it's this vast connection <coughs> or is it himself? I right. don't really know. Right. And I think it's done that way on purpose. Yeah, of course. But what I do know is that they do something very cool. One note I have, they talk about the 13 families, right? And uh, how each of them all had a, their own progenitor and they're, they're no different. Right. But of all of them, there were only three that actually took their own name, right? And they talk about the three. Uh, they call themselves true children of their divine progenitor. There are Hassan's children, who share the disease of their grandfather's blood. There are Set's children, who share the disease of their grandfather's faith. And then there are us. We are a sprawling, fractured, decayed family. We are ancient, more ancient than any lineage of kings, yet more inbred than any withered aristocracy. We are fragmented, scattered, slivers of a broken mirror that cast bitter reflections. We are children of a mad god. We are Malkavian. And I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I truly right, feel right, if right. we stop right there, stop. Right. You now understand Clay Malkavian. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with you, right? Um, that we're I'm, stopping now? N- well, no. I mean, no, okay, you, you, can, you can be done. I'm just going to, I mean, I want to honestly wrap this up. Oh, yeah. I want to wrap this up because I feel like for as terrible as the original clan book I, I felt it was. Nine out of ten doctors would agree the original clan book Malkavian was shit. You know, take it for what it is. Sorry if you like it. I, I don't think any less of you. I just think it's garbage. This book is a thousand percent better and a thousand percent more scary. That's really what needs to be emphasized here, right? Let's talk a little bit about history. If you go back and you look at all of the early books that have cities in them, that have this clan in them, there is not a single NPC that's presented as a happy-go-lucky rake just uh, running through and poking fun and popping balloons and letting air out of tires of bikes. No. If you look at even the worst books, but if you look at Milwaukee by night, if you look at Chicago by night, if you look at any of those early original books, every single Malkavian presented is frightening. It's terribly, terribly frightening, right? I think the misstep was they were were going for something very highbrow with that Mal clan book and they, and they fucked up. I I don't really think they hit the mark. It was an all and gamble at the table. You were either going to win big or you were losing your shit. Right, right. But I think a lot of people read that and they were like, oh, wow, this is something fun and wacky and kind of the guy in a straitjacket. I'm trying to get out. No, it's not. It's not what it is. (laughs) They couldn't see. Right. You you can't see it, but I'm I'm making faces and I'm trying to wiggle out of the straitjacket. Like, you know, I'm a Houdini. Look at me. Oh, oh, what's in my head? No, they're not that. They are the offspring of of a mad god simple enough go read some lovecraft it's it's done so there's a lot to this book read it i find it enjoyable i feel like it's going to give you a lot of great detail about this clan and hopefully you come away with a different opinion on how this clan is meant to be represented in the game and you know i i would say all throughout my my adolescent to early adulthood life this clan was my favorite to second favorite it varied but I, I love this clan and I love what can be done with them. And I love the, the, how scary they can be 
for is how innocuous they they are presented oftentimes. Fun tip. <clears throat> if any clan I've ever ran from, I got two decades of doing this game, the genre, nobody ever stays Mount Caving long. <laughs> they don't. Not under my storytelling regime. And I do know why. It's because the unknown. Right. They could talk to someone completely sane one scene. That same person can steer them good and help them out. Later on, they're terrorized by that person. Right. Or at least they believe they were, and they don't know. And what it is is it's their own paranoid. It's it's like an infection. Right. It's set in because they know <laughs> what they're talking to. And that's exactly what they refer to to themselves. The danger of countering and talking to one another right. is the fact that um, we don't have names. That's actually stated in the book. You Names mean nothing to us as Malkavians because right. how do you label... Well, what I am today is not what I'm going to be a moment from now. Right. So why don't we worry about the future when we might possibly have a label? One of the creepiest things I read before we wrap this book up was the the name eater. Yes. And I was like, man, <clears throat> you know, sure, this could be a lot of like internal pomp and circumstance, but it's not. It's not. Looking at these books, looking at these characters and seeing how they're presented <clears throat> it is uh it is a fright frightful idea, frightful concept. I want to share with you though, all of you, what burnt my noodle <clears throat> when I was reading this. When I talk about this insanity, right? It comes through a section where it talks about Set, Solid, and Malkiv, all brothers right. chilling in a city. And a guy calls it a parable. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm coughing so much. Guy calls it a parable, <clears throat> says, Hey man, and by the way, this is a neonate getting visions at this point, just mm -hmm. in the book. And it says Set tells Malkiv flat out that the only way to glimpse the truths of the world is to look within and, and just strip yourself right. of all the taboos, of all the, all, the, all the restraint to be debased. And when there's nothing you can grasp onto to say that you're a human, when you're totally depraved, you must look within at that moment, look at your soul, and understand the world for what it is. Then get embraced. Then the true mysteries are opened up to you. And Malkiv is a fevered, blistered stream of consciousness at this point. Because this book tells you, and we're, we're skipping a lot on purpose, because I really feel it's one of those things that you can read and get your own interpretation. My interpretation is, Cain was a piece of work. <laughs> right. And he was more of a force of nature than not. And when he came through, he wrecked face. Right? That's what he did. And these children all decided to rise up, the 13, and oppose the those who made them. And when they did it, they weren't counting on the power and the blood. Right? They were powerful unto themselves, blood gods, before this. But when they went at the source, right. they tried to drink it down. And talks about Malkiv, his heart almost bursting and killing him on the spot. Others dove on what he was drinking to save him. Of those was Set, Solid, Assam, and uh, that, that's just a few they allude to. We'll just stop there. But they all had to grab, it took 13 people to drain three. Right. Hold that thought. Every other clan <clears throat> says, every other clan book said, we rose up and killed them and it was easy. We rose up and dealt with them. <laughs> we're awesome now. None of them address why they were cursed or how their blood was cursed. This book does two truths and a lie. Mm -hmm. Which one's the lie? Right. Right? So when Malkiv helps drain them down and they all save them, they all come back and suddenly Solid's obsessed with how he looks. That the perfection of the body right. was all he cared about, of being the ultimate. Weird, undeath, you're removed from it, you're already perfect. Right. However, Set went internal, <clears throat> and he's this dark-souled thing, 
and he's dark souled. And Malcolm says, because we knew what it was to be a good soul. Right. But with immortality, we have to know all things. That's a curse unto itself. Right. And so Set had to know what the darker things were, and he became that. Malkin was cursed with everything. And he just more or less sat there. And he was gibbering and sweating blood and wringing his hair out constantly because he never knew where he was or who he was. But when he stood near his brothers, when the blood got closer together, seemingly he was coherent. And so when Set made his proclamation to resume the tale, and Set says, hey, man, look within, look at the soul, blah, 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 depravity. Malkin's like, no, you have no idea. You're going to get glimpses. We all will, even mortals. No one's safe from the show that God has planned from us. But will you recognize the scene when you see it? Will you know that that's part two of your endless saga? Do you have a clue? And Set's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're out of your mind. And then they go over and they go, hey, 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 Solid, help us out. Solid, for whatever reason, has a crown right. and a sword. I don't know why, but this is a parable, right? Right. That's the parable. So it's, keep keep with it. Right, right. So he goes to Solid. He was obviously a judge in the second city, which we haven't gone over the book yet. Clan Asamite kind of confirms this a bit. Kind of. Anyway. Says, hey, man, Solid, look, we can't decide. Is it the soul and within, or is it just visions? And Solid's like, oh, man, uh, fuck, I don't know. Right. And they're like, what? And he goes, man, I'm ashamed. I don't know. But I tell you what, because I don't know, I'm going to go find out. Right. So tell you what, Set, take my sword. And Set goes, cool, take my thorned staff. Right. You're going to need this walking stick, homie. Right. And I was like, but it's thorned, right? right. Obviously parable. It's going to be a difficult road. Get used to it. Solid goes, huh, I don't got nothing to give you, but uh, let me bite my thumb. And draw a third eye in your oh, forehead. Oh, you, you mean Malkov, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I didn't yeah, say that. Yeah. Let me draw a third eye in your forehead there, Solid. Yeah. Have fun. As So when I read that, I was like, oh, man. That's a better badass story as to how Solid got afflicted. Right. Right? He got, <laughs> he got this vision. He got to share Malkov's vision. Right. And then I got to thinking, when you're reading this, you're like, what if all the bloodlines, well, they weren't cursed. They took the blood from others, and this is power that you can't contain. Right? We want to talk about that uh, Bruja feels things so deep that they frenzy and they're always rebellious. Right. But what brings about change? Uh, you know, chaos. If I want to defy my rulership, if I want to break the shackles, if right. I want to take over a territory, I must destroy before I can rebuild. Right. Yeah, no, and that's that's totally true. I, I think that uh, the cool thing about these clan books is that, yeah, well, really, like the, the vampire creation story, it has room for infinite amount of different retellings right and and in here in this book we get that question that kind of we already know the answer to uh it did even we don't know did the did the second generation get diabolized were they were they outright destroyed we don't even know right so it gets you questioning like did they get killed like we know we know the truth of the matter incidentally what I love about it is it says that they were jumped up and challenged. Right. And that they, they tried to devour them. They were drinking the blood all right. down. What if they got so full, they just rolled around the ground? What, and if, just, what, feet? If, what if just drinking their blood was enough to cause that? <laughs> what if just spilling the blood was enough at that point? Because things were it's way less acceptable back then, you know? I, I feel like 
If you go back to the 50s, there's way less acceptable behavior. You're not going to see midriff on television, right? What if just spilling the blood of their progenitors was enough to piss off Cain? What if that was the midriff of the 50s? We take a note because I know our audience loves hearing you. Mm -hmm. Read what what I marked here down. No, forget that. Cain. Call him Cain. He was the first. The first was a beast of ashes, wet with blood, mad with thirst and grief. He was soulless and he was alone. He was diseased and he longed to share his disease with others, for he did not want to suffer alone. So he built a city in lands that had yet to see the great waters of the flood wash over them, and there he finally rested and took three children to his bosom. In time, they too grew lonely and they took children of their own. Okay, that's, that's, that's it. Because that interpretation of Cain, and I call the curse of disease, mm-hmm. right? Cain's curse, they don't contest that. Right. But they describe what he was. He was so he was a mortal so filled down with immortality and power that he he had to give it away. Right. He felt he needed to do it. And so he did. Right. But those three were afflicted the same way. But the thirteen weren't. Right. So, so to me, that more than lends credence to your to your your view. Right. Had to be. Did did they kill him? Or did you just taste what it was when it was non diluted? Right. And that's what it comes down to. And this book is chalk filled with it. When it talks about the curse, there's a part that says, Cain learned much under Lilith, but she did not teach him all she knew. When he abandoned her, in spite, he went to the firstborn of his grandchildren and told him a secret that broke him, that destroyed his mind and tainted his blood. We are not fucking around with God's <laughs> right, cold. Right. Okay? We're talking, Mount Cavian's like, this is a neonate. Right. Welcome to getting all knowledge upon upon the embrace right stuffed up your hind end and just deal this is what you have right now. god's because think about it, their embrace and what's a venture's embrace here's 10 million dollars to start you off here's the <laughs> house of infinite wealth here's everything you couldn't get in life that you can't really enjoy beyond the blood right here's your quota that you have every month and by the way class starts tonight and tonight we will go over the proper way to sound like an asshole. You know, that's been true, which right. doesn't deal. Does it deal with any biblical shit? No, no, no. not at all. Not at all. Clam Elkavian's like, oh, Jack, that's interesting. But are you just ignoring the fact that you have uh, the curse? Yeah, you better smile, homie. Right. <laughs> and I will burn it because like literally this right. book, we can take we can flip to a random page. And have tons to talk it, about. This is a clan that is filled with tragedy. This is a clan that has to deal with the worst aspects of being a vampire on all ends. It can be incredibly challenging and it can be incredibly fun. It is your duty as a player to to handle that in a mature, dark, and frightening way. And not turn it into, I'm the Mad Hatter, and I'm going down a hole, right? Straight up. Straight up. And uh, you won't be disappointed at all. I think of the clan books yet, this is the one that you have to read. Right, right. Because this is technically the first clan book, in my opinion, for Clan Mount Cavian. Yeah, absolutely. This is really the first time you're going to get a proper, well-painted picture of what this clan is and what it represents. And that's the end of the podcast. We have nothing more to say about this book. You have your usual. I will say that. And what's the usual, Nate? Your powers, your right, your oh, backgrounds, yeah, yeah. Yeah. blah blah blah. You, you got you got powers. You have uh, key players in the in the coming Gehenna. You have all of that fun stuff. You've got merits and flaws. You have a 
more robust list of mental afflictions, um, which is, I guess, important for a clan that's primarily geared towards that. Um, so I'll tell you like this. If you don't like the clan, don't like them, right? If you think that they're uh, an unfair representation of people with mental illness, okay, that's fine. Um, maybe uh, an adult game in an adult world of darkness might not be the best bet for you. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff out there that you can play, and we're fine with that. Here's what I want to say. Should we have a different opinion on this clan? Do you have a different perspective that is completely 100% valid? Share it with us. And you know where you do that? Website, Discord, Facebook, Twitter. Give us some comments. We'd, we'd like to. We'd like to communicate with you. I like the clan. They're one of my favorites. Um, that's all I have to say about that, Bob. And I, I promise to tell you my different opinion on Clan Malkavian. Uh, I got to tell you, I do. Um, if I didn't already, and I think I have in some small way, um, I do love the clan. I do feel that they're up there. Uh, easily competing. Ah, they're the truth serum. I'll put it. I'll put it to you that way. Of all the clans, I feel that when you get them, it's their deception that makes them honest. It's their open deception that helps you understand what they are. And if you play them, play them with a level of you are always doing something. Right. If you were playing a Mount Cave and you're like, ah, oh, man, I'm bored. You missed it. Yeah. You are self entertained by the creature you create. I think of that of any of the clans. But Clan Malkavian is the one that I never give the excuse that you don't know what to do or you're bored. Right. And also, I think it's one of the easiest uh, clans to for a storyteller to really sit down and, and, like, get elbow deep into, you know, with a player. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Me as a storyteller, I should always have something to really get at you with. So, anyways, Clan Book Malkavian, I give it an A. Thank you for redeeming the clan with a worthwhile book worthwhile material straight up next week we have the revised edition of clan book gangrel don't worry that one we can't shorten <laughs> we went over the first one and the first one was decent we gotta right. do this one right yeah we'll give it we'll give it a deeper look but uh personally um, we want you to read malcavian revised oh yeah absolutely i would say so far out of all the revised clan books we really want you to give this one a shot um a lot of the other ones are, are like you said, they're just a more robust version of the original. They're better than the originals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 90% of the material was covered. Yeah, this one, Malkavian, what we just read, that was just like a whole different ball of wax. It's so, wide open. Yeah. So give it a read. Check back with us next week. Thank you guys for listening. Turn the podcast off now. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down, when you're strained. Faces come out of the rain when you're strange. No one remembers your name.
At Utility Muffin Labs, we are dedicated to accommodating our consumer clients with uncontrived, austere, generalized, and adequate snack-based comestible muffin provisions for your cafeteria or common staff member gathering areas. We refrain from overt decorative adornment that can foment jobholder chaos and sedition. A saccharine workforce is a productive workforce. Procure your necessary muffin repository by visiting us at utilitymuffinlabs.com, on Facebook at Utility Muffin Labs, on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM, or Utility Muffins, all one word, on Instagram at Utility Muffin Labs, one word. Support the labs on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, and finally, adorn your human form with our t-shirts at tpublic.com slash users slash Utility Muffin Labs. Utility Muffin Labs, think homogenous. Utility Muffin Labs.